السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وٹ فالوز ان ٹوڈیز پوڈ کاسٹ ایپیسوڈ از اے ڈبیٹ اور یو کین سی مور لائک اے ڈائلاگ بٹ دیر واز سم بیک اینڈ فورتھ ان دیئر دیر آئی ریسنٹلی ہیڈ ود اے جہوبا وٹنس پریچر and uh, he he wants to remain mostly anonymous so i'm not going to uh, speak too much about um, uh, about him and what kind of relationship uh, i've had with him but he's a, he's a he's someone that i've had dialogue for many months now and uh, we decided to do a topic uh, in our discussions so it's a zoom meeting recording uh, that uh, follows uh, in which we discussed the topic or the question that he posed basically which is No. did gabriel actually speak to prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in other words was prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam a true prophet or not so uh, it was a learning experience for me and i hope uh, that you enjoy this discussion and it is a learning experience for you as well in the name of allah the gracious the merciful assalamu alaikum This is The Conviction Project, a podcast where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. My name is Marij Rana. And I am Farhan Iqbal. Muhammadur Rasulullah, 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Rabbi salli ala nabiyyika daiman Lihaadhe dunya wa basin saani Okay, uh, are we ready to start? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay? Sure. I start? Yeah, okay. I, uh, we're recording now. So. Okay. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Peace and blessings of Allah be upon all of you Ashadu an la ilaha illallahu ahdahu la sharika lahu Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh Amma ba'du fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim First of all, I would like to uh, appreciate uh, Jay and uh, his team uh, for engaging in dialogue with the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, several of uh, our own uh, community members, the Ahmadiyya Muslims are here and uh, some members of the Jehovah Witness community uh, are also here. And I appreciate all of you for being part of this dialogue. It is, uh, you know, truly, first of all, we should be grateful for being in a country where we can have this kind of dialogue. There are many other countries in the world where we wouldn't be able to have this kind of dialogue. And so we appreciate this and this conversation should carry on. And um, I always like to distinguish between dialogue and debate. Um, dialogue is when we are talking and exchanging ideas. Uh, debate is when we're trying to put the other side down. So we always try to, as far as Ahmadi Muslims are concerned, we always try to avoid um the heavy handed debates uh that can you know practically lead nowhere so today we are talking about the truthfulness of prophets we're talking about whether or not prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a true prophet of god 
why I believe the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is a true prophet, why I believe that it was truly the angel Gabriel, the, the archangel Gabriel, that spoke to, who spoke to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So we will look at some of that evidence today. We will look at some of the, uh, some of the facts, uh, some of the evidence that proves that it was truly God who spoke to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, through his angel, Gabriel. This uh, topic is important because Muslims believe that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was a true prophet of God, while Christians and non-Muslims believe that he was an imposter or a false prophet, God forbid. So it's an important facet of the conversations that take place between Christians and Muslims. And so when we look at this question, there are, there are many ways to determine uh, the truth of the re revelations of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Uh, in today's discussion, what I will do is I will present three facets or three pieces of evidence that definitively prove that it was really the angel Gabriel who brought a message from God to Prophet Muhammad because there, there, there's lots of evidence, but um, just for ease of conversation, uh, let, let us try to see uh, three pieces of evidence today. The first piece of evidence, evidence number one, is something that is derived from both the Bible and the Holy Quran. And that is that a false prophet must die. If Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was truly a fake or false prophet, God forbid, he would have died by the will of God Almighty. He would not have been granted a lengthy period of 23 years to spread a fake message to the people, to spread a message um, that uh, was based in falsehood. This criterion for determining the truth of prophets of God Almighty, as I mentioned, is found both in the Quran and the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20, it says, any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Similarly, it is stated in the Holy Quran, And if he had forged and attributed any sayings to us, we would surely have seized him by the right hand, and then surely we would have severed his life artery. This is in chapter 69, verses 45 to 47. In fact, according to the Jehovah Witness website, the JW website, this is, this criterion is quoted as one of the essentials of a true prophet. So a false prophet dies and does not achieve the same progress, success, 
um, depth, comprehension, or, uh, you know, of the message that he has brought from God. This does not happen with the false prophet. It only happens with the true prophet. According to the JW website, the three criteria for judging a true prophet are listed as follows. Number one, a true prophet would speak in Jehovah's name. The things foretold would come to pass. This is, again, from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20 that I just quoted. Number two, a true prophet must promote true worship. And number three, a true prophet is an advocate of righteousness. And we see all these things fulfilled in the person of Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, peace and blessings of God be upon him. He spoke in God's name. In fact, each one of the chapters of the Holy Quran starts with the words, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. The revelation of the Quran foretold things that occurred exactly according to how they were predicted. And this is also discussed on the JW website, that what he says, a true prophet, what he says, is it comes true. And this is exactly what is the evidence from the Quran, from the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Number two, the, the true prophet must promote true worship. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam promoted true worship. In fact, the form of worship done by Jesus Christ, it's quite similar, in fact, to, to the way Muslims pray, the, the prostrations, the bowing, the putting of uh, heads to the ground. All these things are found in the Bible and in the practice of Jesus Christ, as noted in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, in Psalms chapter 95, verse 6, and in Judges chapter 13, verse 20. And there are many other verses that say similar things. Lastly, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, was an advocate of righteousness. Throughout his life, he promoted the message of righteousness, the message of truth. He was known as someone who is true, truthful and trustworthy even before he uh, was given his mission as a prophet. He was known as Sadiq. He was known as Amin, trustworthy, truthful. Everybody trusted him with what he said. He was not known to be someone who is just lying or uh, all the time making things up um, which cannot be trusted. He even risked his life multiple occasions for the sake of truth. His companions risked their lives on multiple occasions for the sake of truth. He was not someone, for instance, like Joseph Smith, who died uh, while trying to save his life. Right? So he was someone who uh, was truthful, who was an advocate of righteousness. This is one piece of evidence that I have presented. Another uh, briefly uh, piece of evidence for the truthfulness of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is that, again, of, his, of the success of his message in the face of opposition. I'm not talking about any other success. People are successful in life. Um, all kinds of people, even satanic people can be successful in their lives. But I'm talking about the kind of success that is attributed to God Almighty, that is predicted, that is foretold, and that is miraculous in so many ways. A true prophet overcomes his enemies. 
And, and this is done, this happens in miraculous ways. In the case of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, we see this happening throughout his prophet, prophethood, throughout his period of prophethood, his ministry uh, from a Christian perspective. Throughout his, his life, we see this happening. It is foretold in the Holy Quran, Allah has decreed, most surely I will prevail, I and my messengers, Verily, Allah is powerful, mighty. This is chapter 58, verse 22. Numerous attempts were made during his life to destroy his message, to supersede it. None of them were successful. This kind of protection is not granted to imposters or those working on behalf of Satan. Allah say, said to the Prophet Muhammad, Allah will protect you from the people. This is chapter 5, verse 68. And we see lots of evidence throughout his life where he is granted special protection by God Almighty, um, unlike anyone else. This does not happen with, with, with imposters or someone who is just um, making false claims. That's, this, this is a second piece of evidence. The third and last piece of evidence which is more uh, to the aspect of the question in relation to Gabriel actually bringing the message from God to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the challenge of the Holy Quran. We see that the Holy Quran has presented this challenge on numerous occasions. Like there are many verses that talk about the inimitability and uniqueness and matchlessness of the Holy Quran. The idea is that anything that is created by God cannot be copied in a perfect way by his creation. The, the work of God is unique. And I will present a short quotation from uh, the, the uh, writing of the promised Messiah, Azam Mirza Ghulam, Ahmed's peace be upon him, that explains this. He says, Anything that has come into existence solely through the perfect power of God Almighty, where it be, whether it be a part of his creation or one of, of one of his holy books, which has originated from him, both in its words and its meanings, must have the distinction that none of his creatures has the power to create the like of it. This general principle, which applies to everything that originates from Allah, can be proven in two ways. First, through qiyas, which is basically analogical reasoning. Sorry about the. Okay. Qiyas, which is authentic and sound, affirms that it is necessary that God is one and without associate in his being, attributes and works, and that it is impossible that any of his creatures should be partners with him in any of his creations, words, or actions. The proof is as follows. If such a partnership were permissible with respect of it, to any of his creations, words or actions, then it would be permissible in all of his attributes and actions. And if it were permissible with respect to all of his attributes and actions, then it would also be permissible that another God should come into existence because that which possesses all attributes of God would be God. And that which possesses, possesses some of the attributes of the divine would still be a partner of the most exalted maker with respect to those attributes. However, to be a partner of the maker is according to reason, obviously impossible. Hence this argument proves 
that it is necessary for God to be one without associate in all his attributes, words, and actions, and for his being to be free from all those ignoble qualities which tend to create the possibility of a partnership with him. So this, is, this gets into a, a lot of detail and I don't want to keep reading, but basically the argument is that God is unique in his works, in his attributes, and it is not possible for a human being to create anything like the works of God. I mean, we, 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 we take things, we create things, but we are not able to make a perfect copy. And in this regard, to illustrate, we always present the example of the first chapter of the Holy Quran, the seven verses of Surah Al-Fatiha, the opening chapter of the Holy Quran. The perfectness in their eloquence, in the beauty of the language, in the comprehensiveness of the language, in the way the, the words and the phrases are put together, the external qualities of the opening chapter of the Holy Quran, the internal qualities of, the, of, of Surah Fatiha, when we look at it as a whole, no human being has the ability to produce a like of it. When I talk about external qualities, I'm looking at the words, the way they have been put together, the, the eloquence. I'm looking at the, the beauty of uh, the language, the comprehens comprehensiveness of the language, the, the, the way very few words with deep meanings have been put together in perfect format in that chapter. That's the external qualities. The internal qualities are the spiritual qualities. Those who have followed uh, the, the teachings in Surah Fatiha, those who have made this prayer with absolute devotion and sincerity have excelled in spirituality. We have the 14 centuries of Islam where numerous personalities have come, come and they have established a bond with God Almighty. They have established a connection with God Almighty. They have become the recipients of revelations from God. We do not believe that revelation from God has come to an end. It has continued throughout the ages. And in this day and age, of course, we have the example of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, the promised Messiah, the Imam of this age who has come. So these are a few uh, examples of this. And so these are the three pieces of evidence that I wanted to present today. In the end, I just like to recap. The first evidence is that a false prophet must die as stated in Deuteronomy, as stated in the Holy Quran. But in the case of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he was granted a long period of time to spread his message. And that message even saw hundreds of thousands of people join him within his lifetime. And that uh, you know, is, is evidence uh, that he was uh, a true prophet of God. The second evidence is that false prophets do not overcome their enemies. A true prophet is, is one who is able to overcome his enemies. And this is something that was foretold regarding Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and we saw it fulfilled throughout his life. And last piece of evidence that I've presented is the challenge of the Holy Quran, that it is inimitable, that it, it is matchless, that um, it is unique, 
no human being has the power to create anything like the Holy Quran. Again, thank you uh, for, for listening, for bearing with me for the last, I don't know how, how long I've been talking, um, but these are the three pieces of evidence I wanted to present to you today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, uh, Farhan, uh, for your presentation. And um, you'll have to bear with me. Mine is a little bit longer. Um, but before I, I go into uh, my uh, presentation, I, I just wanted to uh, uh, reiterate, you know, the love that Jehovah's Witnesses feel for uh, Ahmadis, right? Um, you are unique among Islam. And you can quote me on this. Uh, you are my favorite Muslims, right? And, and I love all of you like family. Uh, we have a lot of commonalities. Uh, mainstream Islam persecutes you. Mainstream Christianity per persecutes us. Uh, Ahmadis are, are uh, courageous. You are willing to die for your beliefs. And the same as Jehovah's Witnesses, as you've seen in history, Nazi persecution, what's happening today in Russia, and so forth. So, so we have a, a, a bond between us uh, of, of open dialogue. And, and I'm glad you brought that up at the, the beginning, uh, Farhan. Because that sets the a nice a nice tone. So I'll get into my uh, discussion. Um, so this is a question I posed uh, a couple of weeks ago. How do you know it was truly Gabriel that appeared to Muhammad and not someone else? So this is a simple question that all devout Muslims should be able to answer, as it defends the source of the Quran. Now, how do we go about seeking? the truth about this question. Well, when it comes to seeking truth, I always uh, uh, approach the subject like a courtroom trial. So evidence is presented by both sides. Uh, each piece of evidence is weighed and analyzed, and each side is given fair opportunity to present his case before a judge and jury. Now, unfortunately, you obviously cannot summon the angel Gabriel here, Otherwise, he would be able to convincingly tell us, yes, that was me in the cave with Muhammad, or no, that was not me, that was someone else. So now, if we can't do that, what is the best alternative? Well, we have to examine the direct sources, right? The sources closest to the events in question. Now, why do we say the closest sources? Because these sources are the most reliable. Now, 600 years before Muhammad, warnings were given to true believers. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 14, it says, Satan himself keeps disguising himself as an angel of light. 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved ones, do not believe every inspired statement, but test the inspired statements to see whether they originate with God for many false prophets have gone out into the world so the point here is that we need to test for authenticity in forensic science the most convincing way to prove a person's identity is a DNA test so we will now do something similar we will do a DNA test of both angels the angel that appeared to Muhammad and the angel that appeared in previous centuries. Let's see if their DNA matches. Now, I've broken down this analysis into uh, four parts. So part number one, what is the personality 
of the true angel we know as Gabriel? Number two, what is the message of the true angel Gabriel? Number three, misleading spirits that communicate with humans. And number four, the divine inspiration of the information that Gabriel gave to Muhammad. So let's look at the first section. What is the personality of a true angel that we know as Gabriel? Let's look at uh, the angel that appeared to Muhammad first. Now, the Gabriel that appeared to Muhammad was initially abusive. He inflicted pain. He used coercion and he inspired terror. Now, I'm reading for the, from the Hadith al-Bukhari here. In this Hadith, it says, quote, The Prophet added, The angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it anymore. He then released me and, and again asked me to read and I replied, I do not know how to read. Thereupon he caught me again and pressed me a second time till I could not bear it anymore. He then released me and again asked me to read but again I replied, I do not know uh, to read or what shall I read? Thereupon he caught me for the third time and pressed me and then released me and said, Read in the name of your Lord who has created, has created man from a clot. Read. Now let's consider a fact here. The true angel Gabriel that appeared in previous centuries had never behaved in such a manner before. Now I know there are some parents out here in our group. Now, to my Muslim friends, if you're a father, you obviously teach your children how to recite the Quran, right? Would you ever do this to your child? You would tell him, read, recite. And your child looks up at you. But daddy, uh, I, I can't, it's too hard for me. Read, recite. Then you take his arm and you twist it behind his back and you twist it right before it breaks. And he is screaming, he's writhing in pain. Tears are flowing from his eyes. Daddy, please, this is a pain I can no longer bear. Would you ever do this to your child? What kind of parent would do this to his child? Well, obviously, a cruel, abusive, ungodly parent. This parent is not a man of God. Now, what about this angel? What kind of angel would inflict unbearable pain upon a faithful servant of God? Is this the way an angel of the true God behaves? Is this a true representative of the God of love, mercy, comfort, and peace? Note that Muhammad's first impression of this angel inspired terror, and he feared for his life and safety. I'll continue reading in the Hadith. It states, Then Allah's apostle returned with the inspiration, and with his heart beating severely, then he went to Khadija bint Khalid and said, Cover me, cover me. They covered him till his fear was over. And after that, he told her everything that had happened and said, I fear that something may happen to me. Now, what marks this angel's DNA? Pain, abuse, coercion, 
fear, terror. This was the personality of the angel that first appeared to Muhammad. Now, before the Quran was written, if you wanted to get to know the real Gabriel, where would you go? Well, obviously, you'd go to the people of the book. Hundreds of years before Muhammad was born, the true angel Gabriel appeared to three different people. Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary. Gabriel displayed distinct qualities that marked his identity. Yes, his DNA. The people of the Bible knew Gabriel first and they knew him well. This is the Gabriel that we have come to know and love. Therefore, any angel coming or, or, and claiming to be Gabriel must also have the same personality and message. So now let's look at the angel Gabriel that appeared to Daniel. Now, although Daniel is not mentioned in the Quran, uh, Daniel is um, generally respected among Muslims as a holy man or a prophet. And there is a, a tomb of Daniel in Susa, Iran, which pilgrims um, visit. So in Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 to 23, it says this. That this is Gabriel speaking. He says, O oh, Daniel, now I have come to know to give you insight and understanding. When you began your entreaty, the word went out, and I have come to report it to you because you are someone very precious. Now notice, Gabriel reassured Daniel, telling him how precious he was in God's eyes. Daniel never feared for his safety, nor did he run for cover like Muhammad did. Gabriel did not inflict pain upon Daniel until he could no longer bear it. Nor did he coerce Daniel to do something he was not inclined or unable to do. Now let's look at the Gabriel that appeared to Zechariah. Now Luke uh, is a contemporary of Jesus' early disciples. So he would have been able to talk to eyewitnesses to hear their testimonies and details. So in Luke chapter 1 verses 11 to 13, he reports this. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your supplication has been favorably heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. Luke 1 and verse 19. In reply, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands near before God, and I was sent to speak with you and to declare this good news to you. So again, notice, Gabriel was very gentle and reassuring to Zechariah. When Zechariah became fearful of seeing an, a powerful angel before him, Gabriel said with a tender voice, Do not be afraid. Zechariah never feared for his safety nor did he run for cover like Muhammad did. Gabriel did not inflict pain upon Zechariah until he could no longer bear it, nor did he coerce Zechariah to do something he was not inclined or unable to do. Finally, let's look at the Gabriel that appeared to Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33, it says in part, The angel said to her, 
Greetings, you highly favored one. Jehovah is with you. But she was deeply disturbed at his words. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Again, notice Gabriel was very gentle and reassuring to Mary, even praising her for her faith. When Mary became disturbed, Gabriel said with a tender voice, Do not be afraid. Mary never feared for her safety, nor did she run for cover like Muhammad did. Gabriel did not inflict pain upon Mary until she could no longer bear it, nor did he coerce Mary to do something she was not inclined or unable to do. So that's the first part of my four pieces of evidence. The second part is this. What is the message of the true angel Gabriel? Now, the Gabriel that appeared to Muhammad contradicts previous scriptures and fulfilled prophecies. The Quran says that God has no son. The Quran denies Jesus' death for our sins, his resurrection, and the identity of the Messiah. Ask these questions. Why would the true Gabriel contradict the previous message that he himself gave to Mary hundreds of years earlier? Why would he appear to Mary saying that she's going to have the son of the Most High God and then reappear to Muhammad hundreds of years later and tell him something totally different? Why would the true Gabriel be unclear with Muhammad about significant prophecies about the Messiah, his impalement, his death and resurrection, which Gabriel himself gave to the prophet Daniel over a thousand years earlier. And that's in Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 to 27. Why are there so many contradictions between the Quran and previous scripture? So that's point number two in my uh, pieces of evidence. Point number three, misleading spirits that communicate with humans. Now, in the book of Job, Satan raised an issue that no man can remain faithful to God under extreme test. Now, Job became Satan's target, and he was afflicted with a terrible disease. Now, the Quran confirms the story of Job, so you know this scripture is not corrupt. Job's three acquaintances attempted to give him comfort and advice. And one of the three of the men was named Eliphaz. Now, he claimed that a spirit appeared to him with a message that he now, he now delivers to Job. And this is what he says in Job chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. This, these are the words of Eliphaz's encounter with the angel. A terrible trembling came upon me, filling my bones with dread. A spirit passed over my face. The hair of my flesh bristled. Notice the similarity of this spirit with that of the one that appeared to Muhammad. Both inspired fear and terror and offered no peace and comfort like the angel Gabriel that appeared to Daniel, that appeared to Zechariah, and that appeared to Mary. Job 4, 16-18 continues. Then I heard a voice. Can a mortal man be more righteous than God? Can a man be cleaner than his own maker? Look, 
He has no faith in his servants, and he finds fault with his angels. Notice the message inspired by this angel, namely, that God has no faith in his angels or his servants. This message was negative and was intended to demoralize the faithful Job. The angel depicted God as a harsh, fault-finding judge instead of a loving heavenly father and shepherd. And at the end of the dialogue, God intervenes and makes known his true feelings. How did God feel about the angel that appeared to Eliphaz and its message? Job 42 verse 7 gives the answer. After Jehovah had spoken these words to Job, Jehovah said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and your two companions, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now notice that God did not approve of this angel and his message. In fact, Jehovah God was angry. He stated that he did not speak the truth about God. So friends, what's the lesson here? We cannot accept any claim an angel makes without seriously testing its origin. As was noted earlier, John, one of Jesus' true apostles, issued this warning to all believers in 1 John 4 and 1 to test the inspired statements to see whether they originate with God. So let's summarize what we've seen so far. The angel Gabriel that was well known in Bible times is clearly a different angel from the one that appeared to Muhammad in a cave. So that's point number three of my evidence. So the last one, point number four. The divine inspiration of the information that Gabriel gave to Muhammad. Now let's compare the information Muhammad's angel gave and what was already given in the Bible. This will reveal what kind of angel this is. So if it was truly Gabriel giving Muhammad the most advanced revelations, then his information should be superior to what was already in the Bible. His recitation, the Quran, should be the best of the best of the best. Let's see if this is true. I'm going to share a, a script or a, a prophecy now. This is right from the Ahmadi uh, official website. Under fulfilled prophecies. So uh, can everyone see that? So, we can see it. Yep, okay, thank you. So this is a, a prophecy in the Quran about pollution. So in chapter 30, verse 42, it says, Corruption has spread on land and sea because of what men's hands have wrought. So the comments there says, One of the interpretations of the above verse of the Holy Quran is the environmental pollution caused by human beings. And that is spread both in land and sea due to our own inventions. For example, the fumes from chimneys of factories chemical and nuclear waste, huge traffic in the cities, noise and creation of ozone holes are manifest testimonies of the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, when we look around the world, uh, we see this is the case. This, is, this has come true. 
But let me ask you this. Can the Bible do better than this prophecy? Let's find out. About 600 years earlier, the Apostle John wrote this prophecy in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 18. God will bring to ruin those ruining the earth. Yes, the Bible already foretold world pollution. My Muslim friends, did you know about this? Muhammad's angel was 600 years late with this prophecy. So ask yourself, why did Muhammad's angel not know this was already foretold in the Bible? Well, obviously, Muhammad's angel was in the dark. Now, why was he in the dark? Well, because that's what happens when an angel is cut off from the illumination of God's light. He no longer receives the most outstanding, up-to-date revelations from God. Therefore, his understanding of God's purpose is limited and outdated. Here's a second prophecy from the uh, Amadia website on fingerprints. 41 verse 21 says, Their skins will bear witness against them as to what they have been doing. So the comment says, The fingerprint system at borders, criminal investigation cells, and immigration centers prove the fulfillment of this Quranic prophecy. Is this really a prophecy? Well, did you know that 2,500 years before Muhammad, during the reign of Hammurabi in Babylon, fingerprints were used as seals on contracts, indicating an awareness of the unique and personal nature of the raised patterns on the fingers. They're not the only ones. The practice is also attributed to the Chinese as early as the second or third century BC. That's 800 years before Muhammad. The source of this is the Forensic Laboratory Handbook. So this is no prophecy at all that's, that that's this uh, angel gave to Muhammad. The information is again outdated and weak. Let's ask the question. Can the Bible do better than this? What is a more advanced form of identification than fingerprints? Yes, it is the DNA. Notice what David wrote in Psalm 139 verse 16. Without the aid of an electron microscope, he wrote this. Your eyes even saw me as an embryo and all its parts were written in your book regarding the days when they were formed before any of them existed. He basically described the DNA. Even before body parts form, the instructions for their development are all there as described in the Psalms over 2,300 years ago. Again, the information given by Muhammad's angel is outdated and weak. Now, we can go on and on showing how the Bible has greater prophecies and more advanced science than the Quran, but time limits us.
But in conclusion, I'm going to reiterate the four reasons why the angel that appeared to Muhammad is not the true Gabriel. Point number one, his personality. So we did, we did the DNA test. He inflicted pain on God's servant. He used coercion and he inspired fear and terror. Point number two, the angel's message. It contradicts previous prophecies and messages that Gabriel already gave. Point number three, the prophecies and scientific information this angel gave to Muhammad was weak, outdated, and inferior to what was already written in the Bible. Now I've heard time and time again, Muslims have told me that the Quran is an upgrade from the Bible. Now, an upgrade is supposed to be better, not worse. If my computer is running Windows 10, please don't give me Windows 5 and say it's better. The fact is, the Bible continues to be better than the Quran in all aspects, in prophecy, in science, in history, in archaeology, in wisdom, and in morality. Last point number four. The message that Muhammad's angel gave him paints a portrait of a vindictive, malevolent, angry, and sadistic God that tortures people in a literal fiery hell. Now this idea is repeated over and over again throughout the Quran. So many times when I read the Quran from cover to cover, it describes hell, you know, people being thrown into fire, scalding water being poured down upon them, their flesh being consumed and then recreated so that they could continually burn. This is a false doctrine. Previous scripture does not teach a literal fiery hell. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that sent Gabriel to Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary, does not torture people in a literal fiery hell. Therefore, Muhammad's angel was giving him false information about God, just like the angel that appeared to Eliphaz in the book of Job. Now, Faran had raised this objection about a week ago. He said, well, how do you know it was Gabriel and not Satan that appeared to Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary? Well, that's, that's an easy question to answer. There's two reasons. Number one, as we noted, Gabriel's personality. He was comforting. He was reassuring. He did not inflict pain on God's faithful servants. He did not coerce them to do something they could not do. Satan's personality is the extreme opposite. In John 8 and verse 44, Jesus called Satan a manslayer. A manslayer is abusive and inflicts pain on God's servants, like the example of Job when Satan gave Job a painful disease. The Gabriel of the Bible is nothing like that. Second reason. The Gabriel of the Bible delivered prophecies that can come only from God. And the Ahmadiyya website lists five criteria of true prophecies from God, and I agree wholeheartedly with them. Now, this prophecy I'm talking about is in Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 to 23. And it foretells five events 
that would happen over the span of 490 years. So five events over the span of 490 years. Neither Satan nor human can predict a prophecy like that. Only God can. And it meets all five criteria that is on the Ahmadiyya website. So yes, the prophecy Gabriel gave Daniel was from God. Therefore, the Gabriel of the Bible is an angel from God and not Satan. So that concludes um, my uh, four pieces of evidence. Um, much of what uh, I've discussed is probably the first time you've heard it. And that's why Jehovah's Witnesses uh, are involved in our voluntary work. We attempt to help people understand the Bible. And we offer uh, free online Bible courses in any language. You know, you could study uh, on Zoom um, anytime you want, once a week, twice a week, once a month, and get to know the Bible as you know uh, the Quran. Right? Why not get to know both books and then judge for yourself? We do not pressure people to convert. That's totally up to you. This is just an educational uh, program that we do all over the world, as you know. And, and we just want to offer that to our friends. So, so uh, that's all for me. And I guess we'll open it to, to everyone. Um, do you mind if I make a few points? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, first of all, uh, thank you again uh, to Jay and uh, for for this dialogue and uh, arranging all of this. Um, since uh, this uh, topic has become very uh, I wasn't expecting it to go this way. I mean, what, did angel did the angel Gabriel speak to Prophet Muhammad? Peace and blessings of God be upon him was a question, obviously. But I I was hoping to hear more of how to determine the truthfulness of Gabriel speaking to previous prophets. Uh, that's something we didn't hear today. So it was mostly about assessing Prophet Muhammad's claims today. So very very very, very one sided. So. Uh, I will take the opportunity uh, to respond to some of the points uh, that were made. Uh, so Jay has uh, pointed out that we need to assess it from a scientific point of view. It's like a DNA test, um, assess whether it was really the angel Gabriel who spoke to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I do wish that if that is the way you're going to judge whether angel Gabriel spoke to Prophet Muhammad or not, that should be the same way where you, where, uh, the same way you should be judging whether or not Angel Gabriel spoke to Moses or Daniel or Zechariah or any of the other prophets, um, including Jesus Christ. We, we believe that Jesus Christ was not God. He was a human prophet to whom Angel Gabriel spoke. So in every case, we have to assess in the same way. So very quickly, I don't want to make drag this out for too long. Um, because we want to get to question and answer. Um, the first part that Jay talked about was the personality of the true angel Gabriel. And uh, the idea is that uh, the angel that spoke to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was uh, abusive, quote unquote, inflicted pain, quote unquote, inspired terror. And there was a long quotation of uh, Bukhari that was brought up. Um, and it was suggested that Angel Gabriel never behaved in this way in the past. Well, I would disagree with that. Uh, there are other prophets that the Bible has talked about 
for instance, in, this was quoted partly, uh, Luke chapter one, verses 11 to 13. The part that was not quoted was when it says that there appear, appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified. So the terror of Zechariah is mentioned in Luke chapter one. In Luke chapter one, verses 29 to 30, um, uh, but she was much perplexed. This is Mary was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. So there's confusion, there's perplexion on the part of Mary before she sees angel Gabriel. Um, then uh, we have other examples uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 12, uh, the darkness, the terror that is appearing to Abraham. We have Daniel chapter 10, verse 8. Um, it says, my strength left me and my complexion grew, grew deathly pale, deathly pale, and I retained no strength. So these are uh, experiences of prophets. Um, and it goes on and on. I mean, these prophets that talk about their revelations, they're going into a trance in the, in, the, in the Bible throughout, we see that. So to isolate Muhammad and say, well, he had a very bad experience. Uh, he was terrified. Well, yes, that was the first time he was re receiving revelation and he saw something that he has not seen before. And yes, he was terrified. But to say that the angel Gabriel was never comforting to him would be wrong because the angel Gabriel was comforting to Muhammad as well. Uh, for instance, chapter 41, verses 31 to 33, where he says, no fear shall come upon you and you will be uh, granted comfort from God Almighty. So the comfort, the granting of comfort is throughout the Quran. If you read the Quran carefully enough, there are many, many verses. I've just quoted one of them. The second part uh, that uh, Jay brought up was about uh, the message um, that the message that the angel Gabriel brought uh, to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, was very uh, different uh, from uh, the message that was brought uh, previously. Again, I would disagree with that because. Uh, you know, when it comes to even Jesus Christ himself, to say that Jesus is not being called God by the angel Gabriel. Well, Jesus himself doesn't call himself God. In, in his own words, he never refers to himself as God. He only calls himself the son of God. And uh, there are many other sons of God in the Bible. To say, say that that would be a contradiction, I, I'm not sure. There's not strong uh, enough uh, um, you know, evidence to prove that the message that angel Gabriel brought to Muhammad was any different from what it was brought to the previous prophets. In fact, there are an incredible number of similarities. In fact, uh, if you look at the Old Testament and read about God from the Old Testament and you read the Quran, most of the information about God is almost identical. But if you read Paul, if you go to Corinthians, if you read uh, the letters of Paul, then you get a different message. I think there's a problem there and not with what the Quran and the Bible are saying. The part three was about uh, misleading uh, spirits. And there was an example of Job as seeing this uh, spirit, possibly Satan, um, that uh, you know God spoke to, and uh, and 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 Satan was uh, acting in a way that appears to be similar to the angel that appeared to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I find this to be a very strange uh, 
aspect of this discussion, because when we go to Jesus Christ, if you want to apply the same criteria, when we go to Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus Christ speaking to Satan. Literally, Satan is taking Jesus and taking him from one point to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, literally taking him from one place to another, tempting him. So to suggest that, well, look at what the, you know, angel, it sounds a little similar. Well, in the case of Jesus, it was actually Satan in chapter four of Matthew, uh, you know, for instance, verse one says, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then verse five, the de devil took him to the holy city. So this is Jesus being taken around from place to place. So if you want to make a criteria, criterion, uh, to say that, oh, this, this is really bad because this looks like Satan was uh, talking to uh, Muhammad, then what about Satan talking to Jesus, which, which is very clear, which is not even a similarity. It's actually Satan himself uh, speaking to Jesus on these points. Uh, the last part, uh, again, I'm going through very briefly, um, uh, the, the, you know, the divine inspiration of the information that the angel gave to Muhammad it would have been nice to see some comment on the fact which I brought up, which is about the uniqueness and matchlessness of the Quran and the fact that only God can produce a text like this and a human being cannot. Uh, uh, we, we didn't see uh, much discussion of that. We did see some discussion on the prophecies. Uh, you know, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with a prophecy in the Quran that was also there in the Bible, there are lots of things that Jesus Christ said, which are also there in the Old Testament. So to say that that would be a problem, uh, well, what about things that Jesus Christ said that are found in previous scriptures? You know, Daniel made a lot of prophecies. Other prophets made a lot of prophecies that uh, were just repeated by later prophets. In the case of, um, yes, uh, the, the corruption spreading in land and sea, uh, we can split here and go into the details. But uh, yes, some of these prophecies sound similar, but there are other prophecies. If you want to really assess those prophecies, um, there's a prophecy about the reestablishment of Israel in chapter 17, verse 105 in the Quran. There's a prophecy about books being spread and published and spread in chapter 81, verse 11. So these prophecies are there and there are numerous of them. And there are, there's even a prophecy about uh, extraterrestrial life being encountered in the future. Uh, and this particular prophecy is something that none of the previous scriptures talk about. So, you know, uh, I, I don't see any problem here, but uh, just wanted to point out, uh, make a few points here. Um, and uh, the last point, uh, which was not related to the other points uh, that Jay brought up was about the doctrine of hell. And well, the Quran talks about torment and the Quran says this, and the Quran says that your skins will be peeled off and new skins will be granted to you. First of all, the Quran is using a lot of metaphorical language and we don't see all of that happening in a physical sense. But nevertheless, if you're, if you're objecting to the torment that the Quran talks about, then we have in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 to, uh, 22 to 28, which also talk about 
torment. So Jesus says, um, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be, uh, to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. So agony in these flames. This is something that is mentioned in, uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter 16. So I'll just, uh, you know, this was a very quick uh, rundown. Uh, we can go to any questions now if, uh, if we have any. Thank you. Okay, thank you. But before I, I respond to uh, uh, Frank's uh, uh, comments, sorry, I think Melinda had a, a point. She had her hand up a couple of times. Yes, uh, go on, uh, Melinda. I just to make a comment that um, I, I uh, uh, appreciated the discussion, um, but the uh, follow-up comments were all over the place. Um, uh, I would have appreciated to keep it more organized um, because it's hard to understand when you're talking about Jesus and Gabriel and the New Testament and the Old Testament, we were kind of all over the place. So thank you, but a very muggled, muddled way of trying to clarify what has already been clear. And actually I'm thankful that you said what you did Farhan, because I believe even more so that the Bible is truly the word of God now. Thank you. Okay, uh, thank you. I, I just wanted to, <laughs> Um, follow up on some of Ferran's comments. Uh, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, when the angel Gabriel appeared to uh, Zechariah and Mary, you mentioned that Mary was uh, perturbed, she was perplexed. Um, Zechariah was was afraid. That's true. Now, I, I, I bridged my quotation for the sake of time, but did you notice the response of Gabriel when they were afraid? Obviously, if if a powerful angel appeared before any of us, it would scare the bejeebers out of us, right? Like I would be frightened. Like this is a superhuman, supernatural entity that's in front of my eyes. I'm not gonna respond like, uh, you know, how are you, sir? You know, like I'd be. And then if if it was truly Gabriel, like he did, which he he did not do that in the initial meeting with Muhammad. Why not? He said, you know, have no fear. Have no fear. We should have no fear, right? That was their initial meetings with this Gabriel of centuries ago. Um, I want to mention. I didn't bring. I have uh, uh, comparisons of most of all the prophecies that you have listed on your website, and a number of them you, you mentioned about the books and so forth. Uh, this point on extraterrestrial life. This is incorrect on your website. It says. The presence of extraterrestrial life has been proved by scientists. Um, that's right on uh, on your, uh, your your website. That that's one hundred percent false. If you go to NASA, their official uh, um, website, it says, "quote But that extraterrestrial presence on regular display is, of course, a fiction. No life beyond Earth has ever been found. There is no evidence that alien life has ever visited our planet. It's all a story." Now the first planet we've ever landed on is Mars, right? We they sent the rovers out there. What did they find? The discovery was this: that they surmised that it was likely uh, 
a planet that, that had water on it. And any life was only microbial. They did not find any life there. No plant life, no amphibious, no aquatic life, no mammals, and definitely no um, hominid, uh, you know, uh, human, humanoid uh, uh, life. So this statement uh, regarding that extraterrestrial prophecy is, is not correct. Uh, as well as the, the pr prophecy on, on the zoo, well, that's not really prophetic that it, uh, the Quran foretold that zoos would be all over the, the place. Because remember, the first zoo was Noah's Ark, right? They conserved the animals. Animals were, were collected uh, thousands of years before Muhammad recorded that. Um, I, uh, I could go on, uh, but, but you get the idea. If we put the message that the angel gave to Muhammad, stack it up against the messages that were previously given in the Bible. Like I said earlier, history, archaeology, science, geography, any of those morality, you will see that the Bible has not been replaced. It still is the superior book. Um, I think Gwen has a comment. Uh, go ahead, Gwen. Oh, just really briefly to add on to what you were saying, Jay, and Furhan had quoted from Luke 1, verse 11, about uh, the angel Gabriel and about Zechariah being troubled at the site, how uh, Furhan um, quoted from the Bible. He read it in verse 12 there, but in verse 13, so again, we don't want to just take out of context the scriptures, right? We need to get the whole picture of it. So actually, just after you had mentioned that, Perhan, in verse 13, it actually says, however, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your supplication has been favorably heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to name him John. So again, just backing up kind of what Jay was saying uh, to get the whole context. And that goes for Matthew 4, too, as well with uh, Satan tempting Jesus. Uh, he didn't take him all over the world. It was a temptation and Jesus didn't fall for it because he had quickly and clearly, clearly stated to Satan that it is written quoting from the Bible, uh, numerous scriptures. So again, you don't want to just use one scripture to uh, make a claim. You got to take it into the whole context. Just wanted to add that. Okay, thank you, uh, Gwen. Um, but, you know, obviously, as uh, Farhan mentioned, you know, we don't want to drag this into a, a debate-like uh, atmosphere. But basically, our message is, is this, right? Um, now, I personally have read the Quran from cover to cover without prejudice. I have done so with the Bible from cover to cover without prejudice. And when I compare these two books, like I said in previous discussions, the God of the Quran is not the same God that's of the Bible. They have two distinct personalities. And when you stack them together feature by feature, just take prophecy for, for, for one of those categories. We could spend hours talking about Bible prophecies. You've probably never heard of the, the prophecy I mentioned of the 70 weeks of years. Daniel gives, gets more prophecies about the rise and fall of world powers, of kings, 
throughout the centuries and that lasts down to our day and even beyond that so these prophecies have been being fulfilled over a period of thousands of years now that if that's not a criteria for the word of god i don't know what is because that's right on your website five criteria daniel had no control over how the rise and fall of kings and and world powers would take place over hundreds and thousands of years like there's no way a man or a demon could predict that kind of a prophecy so just some points uh, you know to think about uh, we're not here to say you know i'm right you're wrong you're right i'm wrong just present the evidence from both cases just like i said i approach everything like a courtroom trial right look at both pieces of evidence weigh them together and then you be the judge uh, do we have any more comments any 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 of um from from our side anybody wants to comment please go ahead yeah. i am ijaz ahmed i want to ask uh, the point uh, which farhan sahab asked you the matchless the challenge of matchless of message from the jibril gabriel gave the message and message is challengeable for since 1500 years that nobody can match this message is the what is your comments of uh, on this uh, um, from uh, mr j and mr fran thank you okay um did you want to say something first fran uh... i think he was asking you so yeah. okay so i believe correct me if i'm wrong he was asking about the the beauty and the eloquence of the quran is that is that uh, and, and the way in, in which it was written is unequaled and therefore that's an evidence of of the inspiration of of the quran yes well i have no doubt arabic is a beautiful language right i've i've heard we, we've traveled to egypt and other parts of africa we've heard the you know the, the recitations in the min, what do you call them minarets i guess five o'clock in the morning you know, several times a day uh, and it's it's a beautiful language I, I love it like if i was not studying punjabi right now i would probably be studying uh, urdu which is my uh, mother-in-law's native tongue or uh, or arabic because of the way it flows and so forth um, but that alone is is, is not sufficient because uh, we see in other uh, pieces of literature like take for example the works of william shakespeare I mean, if you've ever studied poetry and plays, Shakespeare is like unequaled. Like, and he's not inspired by God. He's just a, a, an amazing writer, right? But I'm focused on is, is not the style of writing um, or, or the intellectual quality of writing. It's, it's, it's what the message is, the content, right? That's what determines uh, the the weightiest piece of evidence whether it's from God or not like if you can use the most eloquent language but if the information you have is outdated or it's it's wrong that the eloquence does not elevate it to truth you, you know what I'm saying uh, because uh, the world is full of amazing pieces of literature in every language uh, even the book of Job uh, it's considered as a masterpiece of Hebrew literature 
in its poetic detail. So um, that to me is not enough. Like if I'm looking at this honestly, I need more than that. Just the eloquence of, of the writing or the language is not enough. You need more evidence. I need content. I need prophecy. I need science. Um, another aspect I did not bring out is that when I when I read the Quran, it makes there's there's very little or no historical reference. You cannot pinpoint what is happening when and where. Uh, if if you read the Bible, for example, uh, the 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 story of, 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 of Jesus, it mentions who the Caesar was, who, who, who was the governor at the time, and it mentions the year and, and, and all these historical details, so you can pinpoint exactly when that is. Um, archaeologists use the Bible, right, believe it or not. When they're trying to find artifacts and places, they go through uh, the Hebrew uh, scriptures and try to find where was this lost city, where was this artifact. The descriptions of the Bible are so accurate. It's like a map. I don't see that in the Quran. The Quran is very vague in that. Um, there's a really good, uh, I'll send you the link. Um, there's a good uh, um, documentary by a historian who tried to uh, reveal the history and the archaeology behind the Quran. And he was having a really difficult time finding anything to corroborate the events described in the Quran. The Bible does not have that, right? That, that problem. Archaeology has again and again um, uh, defended the Bible. Actually, when we went to Israel a few years ago, our tour guide, uh, he, he organizes groups to go there like twice a year. And he said every time they go there, he, they discover something new that defends the Bible. For example, um, there's this artifact. I forget what it's called, but it was uh, something related to, to David. Now, prior to this discovery, David was not mentioned outside of the Bible. So critics are saying David not, did not exist. Now, Muslims believe David is a real person, right? But if someone said, prove to me that he was, he was real outside the Quran and the Bible, we, we could not say anything until this discovery was made. And it was a, a piece of uh, inscription that referred to David by one of his enemies. So again, uh, you know, history, archaeology supports the Bible. And we can go on and on um, about that. But, uh, like, to me, that, that is solid evidence for what is true and what is not. Um, anyway, um, any other questions? I think we've, uh, we've gone a bit over time. Eh? Yeah, Habe has a question. Yep. Please. Okay. Hi there. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jay and Farhan. This is a very interesting uh, conversation. Um, I have a, a comment and then a question uh, for Jay. If you don't mind, I'll uh, go super quickly. Uh, first, uh, uh, your criteria for you know, judging whether uh, Gabriel is the same Gabriel that was uh, mentioned in the Bible is, is, is the same Gabriel that came to Muhammad. It, it seems a bit unfair because the, the, the amount of information we have for Gabriel in the Bible is, is minuscule, whereas Gabriel came to Prophet Muhammad for 23 years, and there's 23 years worth of material and, and revelations and interactions that we have um, between Gabriel and Muhammad, 
that you can you can talk about. Whereas with in the Bible, there's only you mentioned three people, and there's only one interaction they have. So it it, it seems like it's a bit of an unfair comparison uh, to make. Um, also, are you just comparing first revelations, or are you comparing the the nature of like all revelation compared to the Bible and 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 Prophet Muhammad? Also, the nature of the revelation is different, right? And and to to Mary and 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 to uh, to Daniel, those seem like personal predictions. You know, God is telling Mary about about his uh, about about her son uh, that he will be given, whereas Prophet Muhammad is given revelation um that that is for all of mankind right it, the nature of revelation is different as well so so i'm not sure how how you're able to make the comparison i think a, a different uh, comparison would have been better comparing the the bible for example to the quran and how um how they, they stack up to each other would be would be a better comparison to make uh my question to you is uh is regarding um so you mentioned that how can a loving and merciful God do this to his prophet, right? He's being squeezed, he's being, you know, tortured, uh, allegedly. Um, and then you mentioned that, you know, uh, God of the Bible is not, uh, is not tormenting um, his people, whereas the God of the Quran is. That's not necessarily true in Matthew chapter 13. It says, uh, verses 41, the son of man will send his angels and will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of the fire where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. So, I mean, uh, and the Old Testament is full of, you know, uh, potentially horrific things that, that, that God inflicts on his people. Um, also, uh, according to Christian theology, God sent his only begotten son and had him flogged and crucified. Um, I mean, you said what kind of a father would, uh, would do something like that to his children. Uh, what kind of a God would do that to his, uh, to his alleged son is, uh, is, is a better question uh, that I think we should ponder on. Thank you. Okay. Oh, uh, thank you for your, your comments, and um, I'll respond to them individually. Now, you mentioned that this angel had 23 years of interaction with Muhammad. So it's, it's not so much the number of years that I don't question the length of interaction. Again, I'm questioning the identity, right? Uh, at no time did the angel Gabriel in Bible times, on the initial encounter with a person press them so hard that they could no longer bear it and inflicted terror you know um, he was reassuring on all those so uh, it's not a matter of number of incidents it, it's a matter of who's who based on DNA right um, so there's there's a marked uh, division there between the Gabriel of the Bible and the Gabriel of the Quran. In terms of uh, hell, uh, you, I, I'm glad you raised that up because the vast majority of Christian religions teach the doctrine that God tortures people in a literal fiery hell, either an eternal hell or a temporary hell called purgatory. When we study the Bible and what I've, I've learned in my studies with Jehovah's Witnesses, this is not true. Uh, you have to keep in mind 
that the Bible, like other pieces of literature, speaks in two languages, literal and figurative or symbolic. I'll give you an example. We both do not believe in the Trinity, right? Trinitarians will all often use the, the scripture, you know, um, uh, I and the Father are one, right? They use that a lot. And they say, aha, Jesus and God is the same. No, hang on a bit. Is he speaking literally or is he speaking figuratively? Let's look at the later verses. Jesus prayed that they, his disciples, may be one just like we are one. So obviously, this is, this is figurative based on the context. So Jesus was talking about unity in purpose, not the same person. Right? He was saying that my, our, the disciples are unified just like we, God and Jesus, are unified. So that's the same logic then that we use to determine if God tortures people in a literal fire. That example that uh, Fran quoted, uh, let me uh, um, use the, 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 you know, dip uh, a drop of water to quench my, you know, uh, my pain. When you, when you look at the, the context, it's obviously allegorical. One drop of water is not going to quench uh, um, a literal fiery furnace, right? So you, you have to actually study that scripture and what it's, it's saying. So context means everything, right? And uh, uh, Catholic Church and so forth, they've used the, the doctrine of hell to control people. Listen to your priest, or else you're gonna be thrown in hell. Right? It's 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 a a means of controlling and intimidating people to get them to follow the church. And when you look at the the history or the origins of hell, they come from pagan sources, not biblical. So that's uh, one point. Um, uh, am I missing another point that uh, you mentioned? Sorry, it was regarding. Uh... God's torture of his begotten oh, yeah. son when he's supposed to yes. be a merciful God. Now this is something that Muslims that I, I've talked to uh, just don't understand for some reason. That, well, for the first part, God did not do, do the torturing. He allowed that to happen. And Jesus was sent from heaven as a spirit creature. The Bible says he was the firstborn of all creation. To, to die a sacrificial death, right? Now, the Bible prophecies, like the one I mentioned in Daniel, that foretold the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is not only a prophet, but he is the Messiah that was destined to die for our sins and foretold in other uh, parts of the Bible. So, the torture did not come from God. This was a voluntary thing, right? Jesus loved mankind, John 3, 16, right? His love for us was so great that he was willing to suffer torture and death to prove that man can be faithful to God under extreme test and his death bought back what Adam lost. So... That's another uh, topic that we could discuss uh, at a future date. But 
when Adam sinned, this, this is all going back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, he lost eternal life for mankind. But because he was a perfect man, another perfect man had to uh, re-establish that sinless state. And that's why Jesus uh, offered his life. That was the legal requirement. Now recall uh, the ancient uh, uh, Israelites. Now if you lived back then and you wanted to be part of the true religion, you would be sacrificing animals to the altar, right? You'd be going up to Jerusalem and you know, people would be bringing up animals. Why would you do that? That was the true religion at that time, right? You can't, can't deny that. We would all be following uh, Judaism because at that time that was the truth. Well, that was atonement for sins, right? To sacrifice animals. But that was only temporary. And that was foreshadowing the eternal sacrifice that Jesus made for our for our sins. So anyway. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, if I could just make a couple of points here. Uh, we should be uh, slowly coming to an end here, but uh, there are a couple of things that were mentioned that I didn't get, ch get a chance to uh, to maybe a little bit clarify. Um, it was mentioned by somebody that my response was a little bit uh, confusing. Uh, that's one of the reasons I have had this recorded so that uh, the, the verses that I quoted, you can quickly go back to them and read them on your own time. And uh, I only read out some snippets and I went through the things very quickly. Um, but do go back. Uh, if uh, the terror of a prophet at the sight of an angel is a problem, then it is also a problem for some of the prophets uh, in mentioned uh, in the Bible as well, right? That's the point that I was trying to make. And I think uh, Soheb has brought up an excellent point that if uh, the uh, initial terror and fear of uh, Prophet Muhammad is problematic and God is not being merciful to him, then it should also be problematic for Jesus Christ who was allowed to be tortured by God Almighty. And even at the expense, despite the fact that he was praying for that not to happen when he was saying that, uh, uh, you know, uh, take uh, my God, take this cup away from me. And even on the cross, he was praying, Eli, Eli, Limasa Bhaktani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that kind of, you know, parallel, if you, you know, and, and the bottom line, I wanna, I wanna make this last point, and it's very important is that if you are judging Muhammad وسلم, in a certain way, the same criteria has to apply to Jesus and other prophets as well. You say Muhammad was terrified at his first revelation. Uh, well, other prophets were also terrified. You say, well, J Gabriel came back and comforted him. Well, Prophet Muhammad, if you read his uh, revelations, he was also comforted by angel Gabriel. If you say that what kind of God would allow his, uh, his, his chosen prophet to, be, to suffer? Well, we have examples of prophets like Jeremiah who suffered throughout their lives. We have example, as you mentioned, of Jesus Christ who uh, went through a, a lot of trials or you can say uh, had to suffer a lot for the sake of his message. So if we are going to apply a criteria to Muhammad, the same criteria has to apply to other prophets, the same criteria has to apply to Jesus Christ, uh, peace be upon him. That's the, that's the bottom line. That's the point I was making. Uh, the prophecy about extraterrestrial life, just to clear it up, that 
I didn't say that extraterrestrial life has been found. What I was trying to point out is that this is a prophecy in the Quran that is saying that extraterrestrial life would, will eventually be found. Uh, it will be, it is something for the future, for us to see in the future. I was just trying to point a prophecy uh, that is uh, unique, uh, to an example of a prophecy that is unique to the Quran. All right? Yeah, I'm just sharing that. that maybe the, this is a typo on your website. Maybe it's a typo, but yeah, I, that, but that should yeah, that should be really corrected. Where it says in the the yellow, the presence of extraterrestrial life has been proved by scientists. You will lose credibility if if people uh, read this because it's not proven. Uh, unless maybe you know scientists in Area Fifty One that that are doing some. There, there uh, was some. But, there is some but, controversy even recently yeah. of having found some kind of fungus on Mars. But this is another debate, right? I, yeah. You know, okay. let's uh, let's not uh, yeah. focus on those but, words. Yeah. I'm just saying, until it happens, you really can't say that. That that's what I'm saying. But, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Melinda had a comment. And also, respectfully, as we look at both books, um, please do not take scripture out of context. We have to look at the whole entire writing, and not pick out one scripture and not read the rest of it that really gives credence to the truth that it's manifested in the writing thank you same for the quran it has to go both ways yeah is that a jazz uh -oh. i think we are coming to the end and uh, okay. if we uh, on next uh, have it on this uh, same discussion uh, on, can we fix that next time? Can we continue this? question about this stuff? Yes. We should continue with the, the question that we have posed to Jay. Uh, yes. A few meetings ago, we, we posed a question to you that uh, there are some contradictions in uh, the gospel accounts. Uh, yes. For instance, one question I raised was about the last words of Jesus that do not align in the different gospel accounts or uh, the woman who uh, came to the tomb or who was the first person to see Jesus after uh, he was found alive on Sunday. There are some contradictions that we find in the gospel accounts and how to reconcile them. Maybe we can talk about this at our next session. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, yeah, I have two of those answers already. Uh, well, let's do it next but, time. But, yeah, next time. But, but, but I had, uh, them, we have to come to an end today. Yeah. Uh, Ijazab, yeah. is there anything else for today? It's okay. It's okay. We have questions, but I will put in the uh, next time. Baby. Okay. I have two questions. I, I do not want to linger on. I want to next. Thank you. Okay. Um, if I could just just make make one quick statement, and I know Muslims, uh, you've you've you you do read the Bible. You're, you're more attentive to, attentive to it than many so-called Christians, actually, which is kind of uh, the irony, right? Uh, but uh, the way um, Muslims read the Bible or study it is, I'd say, like this. Oh, here's a contradiction. I'll put a marker in it. Ah, another contradiction. I put a marker in that. Here's another contradiction. I'll put a marker in that. If that's the process by which you study the Bible, you will not learn the Bible. I guarantee that. You will miss all its glory and its and its amazing information. Um, 
when you're trying well, you to find uh, when you can answer this topic on the next session yeah okay I, i'm just I'm, yeah i'm just making a concluding comment um if you're searching for a needle in a haystack don't look for the hay you, you, you'll totally miss the needle and you'll miss the point right pun intended what we will well, say we will use the same criteria as the contradiction in quran and contradiction of bible so criteria will be same so yes, we will but, start the next minute. But what I'm saying is when you study the Bible, this is why we offer these free online Bible courses. It will help you get the most of your understanding of the Bible, right? Whereas I know what you're looking for is contradictions. You're not looking for truth. You will not no, find no, truth if you look you, for contradictions. I am not looking contradiction. I am saying you, the Bible gospels contradict each other. For the gospels, they contradict each other. I want to clarification that how this is yeah. Okay. No well, that's, that's, yes, I, I, I know the sheets that you, you have. Uh, I, I've seen your, your list of contradictions, and I'll, I've seen this of okay. all Muslims, uh, that you have a list of contradictions of the Bible. But like I've told Ijaz, like Ijaz, we've known each other for how long? Three, four, five years? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I mentioned before, there is a logical answer to every one of those contradictions that you pose on the Bible. You can cross them off one at a time. You've talked to other witnesses. They've responded to your... And they've done the research they respond to you i know because i've talked to them so eventually you're going to have this list of contradictions in the bible and you're going to cross each one of them until you end up with a blank page now after you well, answer all those all those contradictions then where does that take you yeah i uh, we you, you have said I mean? that before you have said that many times before but we want we actually want to see an answer now because it's okay been a, sure yeah well, i, I, I asked this question I asked this question maybe about two months ago. Uh, Soheb has a point. Uh, I think yeah, let, yeah. That, let that be the last one. I want to uh, uh, do a concluding one minute after that. Soheb, go ahead. Hi, Jay. I, I really uh, appreciate uh, it's been a really uh, you know comfortable uh, vibe that you created. Uh, you've been very respectful, so has been Farhan. But, but your last comment there is, it's a little unfair, I think. Uh, you can't, you know, blanken statement every Muslim that we're just reading the Bible to pick out contradictions. There are Christians who do exactly the same thing. And as sure. you're saying, we have yeah. lists. There are Christians who have lists of the verses of the Quran. And um, th that's not a fair statement to make. I know Farhan uh, is, is studying the Bible cover to cover, page by page, word by word, letter by letter. Uh, so am I. Um, I, I started, started studying the Bible for fun, and I completely changed my career to, to, to study that full-time in school. So that's not a fair assessment to make. Um, I just wanted to mention that. Um, I'd appreciate okay. that if you, if you didn't yeah. make comments. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Sahib. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's try to end it there. I, I, again, appreciate all of you who joined uh, this conversation, uh, became part of this dialogue. Sometimes things are stated up and down a little bit. That's okay. Um, but let's keep the dialogue alive. Let's keep moving forward with our discussions. And uh, we had more people join today as opposed to uh, in our previous sessions. I appreciate all of you who joined. If you can continue to join us, I think it would be beneficial for all of us. Um, to continue to have these discussions. Again, once again, I really appreciate all of you uh, who joined. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, friends. guys. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you. Thank wonderful. You. Have a great, uh, blessed day, my friends. Thank you too, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Take care. Thank you.
محمد 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 رسول الله رسول الله رسول الله محمد رسول الله صلي على نبينا صلي على محمد صلي على حبيبنا صلي على 